0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. It is great to see you uh, on this first week of 2024. It's weird that it's like almost a week into 2024. All right. I'm still writing 2023 on things I have to write. Uh, the year on and things like that. But it's great to see you. Thank you for, uh, braving some of the weather that was around. I know that was probably a little bit of a question mark as you went to sleep last night, but we're so glad that you were able to join us. Uh, someone asked me this morning if the email and, uh, social post I made this morning, if I was trying to make a poem. No, I was not trying to make a poem. If I accidentally wrote a haiku, I was cool with that, but I was not trying to make a poem, okay? But we are glad that you're here, glad that you got the information. You were able to make it here. I get excited when we get to a new year and we get to do something different. We get to start a new topic. We get to have a new New conversation. If you've been around the last couple weeks, we've been uh, kind of teasing this idea of having. We look at statistics and we look at culture, and we would say that loneliness is on an upswing. We're lonelier than we ever have been. And so I want to start the conversation by sharing just a few. Quotes or, or takes on what's going on with this. And the first one is from a woman named Elena Rankin. Uh, she wrote an NPR article in 2019. So just, just keep that in mind as we read this, right? More than three in five Americans report being chronically lonely. And that number is on the rise. Now, 2019. I don't have to tell you what happened in 2020. So it was already, loneliness was already setting in. And it was on the rise. And then we said four years ago, which sounds weird to say already, right? But four years ago, we said, no one talk to anybody or be close to anybody. Everybody go your separate ways. Don't get within six feet. Don't go hang out with family. Don't do all the things. And we needed to do that at some level because we didn't know what was going on. We needed to figure that out. But we separated. And and even now, having conversations with people about different um, places they work and things like that, some people are back to the office, some people aren't back to the office, Uh, employers are, are, are happier with people working at home more than ever. And so we've created this, this kind of distance. So 2019, if things were on the way up, things have only gotten faster and they've only continued to rise quicker. And in my preparation for this conversation, I read a book by a guy named Vivek Murthy. Now it sounds like my name different a little bit, but Murthy is the last name. Okay. And he's the surgeon general. Um, he was the surgeon general under Obama and then he came back in with president Biden. And so politics aside, here's what he did. He, he came in and he said, what are the things that we're seeing? What do we have to address in our world from a medical perspective? And one of the things he said, this is a quote from his book called Together, and he's talking about some studies that he went through as he uh, wrote the book. It said, the impact of lacking social connection on reducing lifespan is equal to the risk of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Pause. Did that catch you like it caught me? You are better off, your lifespan will be longer if you just have good social connections and smoke 14 cigarettes a day, okay? Just in case you were curious. This is the impact. So the lifespan is impacted by how lonely we are. Okay, let's keep going and hear what else he has to say. And it's greater than the risk associated with obesity, excess alcohol consumption, and the lack of exercise. Simply put, weak social connections can be a significant danger So another quote that was just a few pages later, this is where he says, loneliness is associated with a greater risk of coronary heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, dementia, depression, and anxiety. Studies are also suggesting lonely people are more likely to have lower quality sleep, more immune system dysfunction, and more impulsive behavior and impaired judgment. So when we think about that, right, and we look at the impact loneliness has... I think it would be easy for us to just say well I'll just get through it right or I'll, I'll I'll be okay like loneliness doesn't necessarily impact us as something that will that will get us physically but the reality is all the studies we're seeing is that loneliness does impact us physically and it is something that we need to address, and it is something that we have to, to know what to do with. And as I as I read his book, he is not a follower of Jesus, and so I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the other side. What people outside of Christianity or outside of religion would say, they would say, looking back at our history, the reason that we see loneliness as an issue is because if you go back to when we lived in tribes and things like that, and we needed to stick together, and there was hunters and gatherers and all that stuff— you needed to stick together in order for security, you need to stick together in order to make sure that you could work together so that you were safe and the predators couldn't get like safety in numbers and all that stuff. And so if you were someone that got cast out of the group, the problem was, well, first of all, you're in danger because predators are easily easily go after the one person rather than the group of people, right? So you've got a challenge there. And then you also don't have people to work with. So if you've got to hunt and gather and build the shelter all by yourself, now now you've got this challenge. So if you were cast out of the group, you've got this anxiety because there's physical danger to you. And so Vivek would look at that as a person who's not a follower of Jesus and say, well, it's ingrained in us then in our evolution that when we are outside of the group or we don't have the connections we need, clearly this is going to take a physical effect on us because it could physically affect us with predators and starvation and all of that kind of stuff. Well, we would look at that and we would say, well, it's actually because we weren't created to live this way. In fact, I would say that simply this, like we weren't designed to do life alone. That God gave us a design on how life was supposed to work, and how we were supposed to interact with each other, and how we were supposed to connect to one another. And when we get outside of that reality, we feel it. In fact, one of the things I read in another book was that loneliness is an indicator just like hunger or thirst. We, get, we don't have enough food, we get hungry. How do we fix that? We get food, we get thirsty, we didn't have enough water, how do we fix that? We take a drink. We get lonely. It's an indicator that our body, like physically, based on the studies, right? Our body physically needs to connect with other people or it's going to be a problem for us. And the reality is this, that loneliness wreaks havoc on us physically, emotionally, and spiritually because we are operating outside of our design. So when we disconnect from people in an unhealthy way, we as humans are operating Outside of the way we were created to operate, and when we feel loneliness, it's because our bodies and and what I would say also as a follower of Jesus, right, our spirits are telling us we need that connection. We were created to connect with other people, and so here's here's the thing, right? We we're going to have the conversation, go, what do we do about this? But here's the other side: when we see. When we have the answers that we're going to go through from Scripture and we see the world around us struggling with loneliness, it's on us then also to help them understand what's going on. Because honestly, if we go, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you go to the evolutionary side of things, right, and you go, oh, this is just a problem because in our history we were going to be out because of starvation or we we're out because of predators. We don't really have to deal that much with with um starvation necessarily most of it and, and predators. If we if we're outside our house, we're not really worried about a lion coming and getting us or that kind of thing, right? It's just not gonna happen. And so we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And so when you boil it down, you go, I don't have to worry about the same problems that the people of the past that built this into my DNA, I don't have to worry about those problems. So I can do it by myself. And when we look at the world around us and we go, we're dealing with this loneliness, it's because we've decided we can kind of cut people off if we want to. We can do it on our own, and we don't need other people. And the reality is what we see, what we believe, what we understand by the way God created us and what we're going to see from Scripture is that we were not created to live this way. So the question is, what do we do about it? And how do we process it? And what do we do to heal this area of our life? that seems to be so difficult for so many of us or so many of the people around us. The first verses we're going to go to are in Genesis chapter 1. Um, and so as always, verses will be up on the screen for you. But if you'd like to follow along with us online, you can scan the QR code next steps card and you'll get all the verses and all the notes there if you want. And, and this is one of those moments, sometimes I'll have people have conversation with me, see your notes or can I do whatever? Like you can always send your the notes online. You can send them to yourself. So if there's something you want, uh, you can always do that. As well. So in Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, uh, this is what it says Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created them. Now, we're not reading all of Genesis 1, right? But let's just couch this and kind of understand where we're at. God has created everything else that we understand, right? He, plants, animals, mountains, water, all, all that stuff. It's, it's already been created. If you go back and look at Genesis 1, what you'll see is, and God created it, and it was good. And there's never really another pronoun that's used. By, it's always God or he or what. Like, those are the pronouns that are used. And then we get to humans, and what does it say in verse 26? It says, then God said, let us. If we're reading scripture, that should go, that's funny. Why is God saying us? He says, let us make human beings in our image. Interesting. All of a sudden now when we start to talk about humans, we see this difference in the way the pronouns are used. And what we understand from this verse as we go through and he creates humans and and male and female and and he tells us, right, we are created in the image of of God, we're different from the rest of the group. We're different from the rest of creation. God didn't make trees and say, I make trees in my image, right? He didn't make dogs and say, made in my image. He definitely didn't make cats and say, made in my image. He doesn't say that. He says, these are humans. We're going to change the narrative. We're going to move from these things are good. All of it's good, but this one's special. And when that conversation comes, it's us. And ours to be like us. None of the rest of creation gets that distinction. None of it. Let that sink in for a moment. This is why we value humans so much more than anything else. And why, when you get a spider in your house, you don't care about stepping on it. It's a different conversation. And so, when we look at that and we see this hour, here's what we need to understand God exists in community. This is weird, okay? We're going to dive into this next week a little bit more. So this is confusing. Come back. We'll have a deeper conversation about it. But here's the thing. God exists in community. And we know this, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three equally God, but all three distinct persons within the Trinity. I know. Brain hurting, I get it, right? It's hard to understand. And and no, listen to me. I took a whole class in college on this exact topic. Your brain still hurts at the end of it, okay? It's one of those things we just can't quite wrap our heads around because we don't understand. But there was this community to begin with where God said, there's roles that we play and we play them together and we are equal and we're in this together, but there's a community. And in that, he helps us understand that we were made in that way as well. Okay, we can look at creation and say, yeah, there's different animals and things that will travel in packs, right? They hang out in groups, and they help each other, and they hunt together. and they all. But here's what they don't do. No animal gets together, grabs a cup of coffee, and says, just tell me about your day. None of them do. They don't sit around and just say, just tell me what you like. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? How's things going at home? They don't, they don't connect that way. They'll help each other. They'll be there for each other. They'll even defend one another. And some animals, right, we talk about, they even mate for life, right? They find a husband and wife, and they hang out forever. That's great, whatever. They're still not sitting down and saying, how do I know you as a person? And how do I understand you? And how can I be there for you when you need it? God exists in community, and we were created to exist in community. And simply this, right, as those who, who bear his image, we were created to exist. In community. It's different. It's different for us. We need this. And God gave us that coding, that DNA, because we were created in his image. If we fast forward now to Genesis chapter two, starting in verses 18 and 19, it says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground. All the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Verse 20. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Verses 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man, verse 23, at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Now we use this passage a lot at weddings, right? We hear this conversation and it's true. And this is God's design for man for marriage. man, One man, one woman, forever, right? That's the design. And so God does set that up as the nuclear beginning for community. That's what it is. And so when Adam's looking around, he's looking at all the livestock, he's looking at all the animals, whatever, he's like, this this doesn't work for me. Like, there's no one here that knows me. There's no one here that I can sit down and just have the conversation with. There's no one that does that. And so God says, great, I'm going to give you a wife. And this is the first thing, right? Maybe you've heard this before. This is the first thing that God looks at in creation and says, this isn't good. Everything else is good. And then he sees that man's alone. He's not good not good. And ladies, it would have been the same way. If you were made first, it would have been not good. We need people. We need to understand each other. We need to connect in that. And simply put, we need people to share our lives with. We need people to share our lives with. So here's the thing, right? I think I'm getting to the point of the conversation where you're starting to process. Hopefully anyway. Hopefully I'm leading us to there. Hopefully it's good. And some of us are already maybe starting to think about the scars or things that are frustrating us about this topic. Like, I, I had that person, and they're gone now. I used to have a best friend, and they moved away. I used to have this community, and then I left it, or, or whatever it might be. Like, I used to connect this. I used to have these things, and yet I know I'm supposed to have it, and yet I don't. And when we get to that point, sometimes our decision or our, our, our thought process is, well, you know what? I don't need them anyway. Like, yeah, it was fun, but like I can, I can do this on my own. I don't need to do it. And, I, and I, I, I understand that there are times where it feels a little bit better to say we don't need other people. But here's what I think is true. It is not a sign of strength to survive on our own. It's a sign of strength to recognize we need others in order to thrive. And here's what's going to happen. I can tell you this for sure over the next few weeks as we have this conversation, there are going to be times, and I know this because it's already happened to me, there are going to be times where we just kind of feel this moment wash over us where we go, is it worth it? Like, is it really worth it to do all this work? Like, I'm, I'm kind of getting along okay. Like, I can figure it out. Like, am I frustrated? Do I feel like I wish I had people or whatever, but like, ah, that means I had to do the work and this our, this person hurt me before and this is the conversation. Like, I get it. But here's the thing. If we look at scripture and say, how did God create us? What's the answer for us to live the life he's called us to live? And when God says, let us make man in our image, let him exist in community. And he looks at man and says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for one person to be alone. How do we respond to that? And are we willing to take the steps? And we at times will puff ourselves up and say, I don't need them stronger than that. I don't need those people. The reality is, it takes more strength to say, I do need those people. I do need to be open. I do need to be honest. I do need the place where people know me, even though it's scary to get to that place. You know, if we flip over now to uh, Ecclesiastes, we get a great picture of this. Again, another passage that sometimes gets used as weddings, but it's a great understanding of what this means. In Ecclesiastes 4, in verse 7 through 8, it says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Think, think about that picture, right? Th- this picture works for us. I think we would all know somebody, or at least have heard of somebody, like, guy, guy pursues, or lady pursues the dream, and pursues the goals, and pursues whatever occupation they want, and they climb their way up, and they make the money, and they strive for whatever the goal was in life, and then they, you look behind them, and family's kind of just there. Right, They don't have a deep relationship with, with husband or wife. They, they don't know the kids very well. They're not around. They're always. I'm not saying if you travel a lot for work, this is a problem. I'm just saying we pursue things, or we know people that have pursued things to the detriment of our family and our relationships. Thousands of years ago, Scripture looks at that and goes, it's meaningless. Why? Why would we work to pursue all of this? And then he goes on in verses 9 and 10 and says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verses 11 and 12. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-stranded braid is not easily broken. So he says... we. We can be in that space where like we want to do things on our own. Like I think it's really interesting. In 9 and 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And I think some of us would be like, I don't need your help. I'm going to get up. I don't need you to help me. I'm fine. I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't want charity. I don't want somebody. Like no, no, no. I can do it. It's okay. If you've ever had a toddler, you know this conversation. I can do it myself, right? I don't want your help. We say this to God all the time, or we say this to others all the time. I don't want help. And yet, what does he say? It's so much better to not be alone. And listen, when we get to that point and we do feel lonely, if we're all honest with each other, we believe this. We just don't want it to be true. Because it means we have to be open and honest. And so here's the thing, right? No one wants to be lonely. None of us set out that way. None of us have that as a life goal. I guarantee you don't have a resolution for 2024 that says, be more lonely. No one does. So how do we get here? All right, we're going to play a little game, just to make sure we're still awake and connected. The next slide is a picture of an inanimate object. No one look at the back screen because you'll cheat. Now, all of you are trying. I see how, I'm seeing how, thank you, Megan. Yeah, Megan just blocked it out so none of you can know what's going on, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Good job. We didn't even plan that. So here's the thing, okay? The next slide is an inanimate object. And it's not the reason why we're lonely, but it's a good picture, and I'll explain it in a minute. It's a good example of why we've gotten here and how things have shifted, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of what this inanimate object might be. Now, I'll give you a couple of clues, okay? I would say probably, I would guess, 90% of us have one of these in our home. So it's not random, it's not something you don't know, it's not something, whatever, okay? I'll give you one more clue. I'm pretty confident... About 100%, at least 95% of us that own our own home have one of these. If you rent an apartment, chances go down, okay? So if you own a home, you you're, I'm, I'm almost certain you've got one. If you don't, I, there's a chance you may not, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Get, a, get an idea if you want. If you want, look at the person next to you and get, and give a little get, whisper it so the people around you don't know. What do you think it is? It's an inanimate object. I'll put the well, Megan will put the picture up in a minute, and we'll see what it is. Okay, lock in your answer, and we'll see if anybody actually had this answer. All right, Megan, go ahead. You can put it up on the screen. This is what it is. Did anyone guess washing machine? Did you get yeah? Was it? Did I help you with the comment about the apartment? That helped. Yeah. So many of us have these, right? This is not a, this is not a new invention. Everybody's had a washing machine for a very long time. If you own a home and if you live in an apartment, you may not, whatever. Or if you own an apartment, you've got to go to somebody else's house. When Beck and I had an apartment, we'd go to my dad's all the time so we could do laundry and use his electricity instead of pay for our own electricity to do it, you know, whatever. So we would do that. So here's, here's what I mean by this. Okay. Think about before the washing machine existed. How did you wash your clothes? Well, you had to go down to the river and wash your clothes. Okay. And so when you do this, you would go with people, usually. So you'd may, you've all got to do this job. You've all got to go down to the river. By the way, as I was practicing this, I kept hearing Chris Farley the whole time. I said down to the river. If you don't know what that is, Google it later. It's hilarious. Okay, so you go down by the river, okay, and you'd wash your clothes, and you'd go with people that you knew, maybe people, your neighbors, whatever, and you'd go have conversation, and you just sit there and wash your clothes. You all had to do it. You all knew where to do it. And so you all did it together. And then here's what happened. Somebody got a washing machine. Guess who's not a part of the conversation anymore? The person with the washing machine. Why? Because they don't have to waste their time down by the river. Then the next person got a washing machine. Then the next person got a washing machine. And soon... None of us ever want to go, wa- right? We're all in this camp. None of us ever want to go down to a river and wash our clothes. doesn't even sound sanitary. So we don't do this anymore. And all of a sudden, something that came along that is good, it's great to have. It is awesome that we can wash our clothes this way and everything's clean and everything's good. It is great. And yet it changed the way that we would connect with one another. It's not a bad thing. It's not something that shouldn't have happened. And yet it changes the way that we have conversation and it changes the way we connect with people and so i want to talk about some things that we've traded in our culture that have moved us in this direction of loneliness the first thing that we've traded is connected for busy the washing machine is a great example of this right we used to be connected go sit down by the river wash the clothes we're all connected we have conversation great now what well, the great thing about a washing machine is you can just throw everything in there, throw the soap in there, shut it, and come back in an hour, and it's done. And you can do other things. So that means you can fill your time with other things rather than just sitting and being connected with people. And we know that this is a this is a challenge for us. Like, we've been taught, and I've been taught, I'm this way, if we sit around and talk to people, it's almost a waste of time. We are not doing what we need to do. There's a to-do list that has to happen. Why am I sitting and just having a conversation when I know the to-do list needs to happen? But here's what I also know. When someone goes, my to-do list doesn't matter. I just want to sit and talk with you. That's one of the best things that we can feel because we're, we just, as a person, we were put above their priorities that they need to get done. And when that happens, it fills us up. Why? Because we were created to live in community. And so we've traded this part where we can just say, let's just cut out the time. Let's just have a conversation. Let's be together and get to know each other for I have so many things to get done. And I get it. Like, we're not going ch- like, to walk out of here and be like, oh, good, to-do list is gone. Don't have a lot of stuff to do. Don't have the projects at work. The kids don't have the schedules. And we'll all... It's all still going to happen. The question is, do we have the willingness to take the steps and say, I'm going to make sure that I have the time to be connected. I'm going to make sure that the things don't get in the way, even though they have to get done. One of the things that has to get done in order for us to be healthy people is we have to connect and not just be built up by busyness. And I've said this before. We we get into busyness, and it's a badge of honor for us. I don't have time to do this because I have so many other things to do. That's been told to us that that's that's a sign of achievement. And in some ways, it does mean that we're moving forward or doing whatever. But I'm telling us, it is not the thing that God created us to do. He created us to work. He created us to do the things we're called to do. He created us to fulfill our mission in life. But part of that mission is going together. And so we've traded connected for busy. Here's another thing. We've traded relationships for resources. Um, one of the stories that Vivek told in his book was, um, and this is a real, this is a real story. It's, I forget the guy's name. Let's just call him Bill. Bill was a guy. He was a baker, right? So Bill the baker. So he worked at a bakery, and he made enough money that he, he just lived on his own and had his apartment. He made enough money that he could just live life, and things were good. And the people at the bakery, he was friends with. And overall, he would not say he was dissatisfied with life. He would say, things are going well, right? Not, not a real bad, bad gig here. He enjoyed life at the bakery. And then one day, Bill won the lottery. And when Bill won the lottery, he what's the first thing you would do if you won the lottery? Quit your job. So he doesn't have to go to work every day. No one's telling him he has to get up there, right? Bakeries, you got to wake up early. So he quits his job. The relationships at the bakery are gone. And he decided he didn't want to rent an apartment anymore. He wanted to get his own washing machine maybe. And so he decided to move to a bigger house, right? So he moves to a bigger house where there's more stuff and a bigger yard. But he doesn't have the people around him as much. So, there's no one in the neighborhood or in the apartment next to him. There's no people. So, he doesn't see the people in his apartment complex either. And all of a sudden, now Bill, because he won the lottery, he's lonely. And what happened? Well, he built up all his resources. He got more money. He got more stuff. He got a bigger house. But he cut out the people. And a problem that he didn't have previously, even though he had far less resources and money. Now he's got a greater problem that we know is actually going to impact him physically. So why do we do that? We pursue resources. And by the way, I am not railing on, there's a nice house you want to buy, buy the nice house. If you want a house on a bunch of acres so you can do all this stuff, great. That's not a bad thing. Again, the question is, though, how are we then being an intentional person in then building the community that we know We need, and when we trade the resources and go, great, I have enough money now, I have enough stuff, I can cut myself off from other people, I don't have to worry about them, I don't have to concern myself with them, now we've got a problem. And when we get more resources, we can depend less on people. And if we look around the world at people that still live in villages, there's a connection that happens. There's a desire to be known. There's a a need to say, can I come hang out with you? Can you help me? And in other cultures, large family units all still live in the same place. Like grandparents, cousins, brothers and sisters, they're all just together in this space. And we as Americans don't typically do that. You'll see it a little bit or you'll see like in-law suite or whatever's happening there. But like we don't typically do that kind of life. And yet people have found that to be the the thing that fulfills them over the course of time. And yet it's just something that we've moved away from. And when we have the opportunity to do our own thing and not need other people, we will choose that every single time. And so we trade those relationships for resources. And then here's a big one, right? Especially as Americans, we've traded dependence for independence. One of the things that was so Uh, deeply ingrained in one of the books I read, was we need to need people. And we need other people to need us. You think about uh, your closest friendships, if you've got a best friend. Hopefully you feel like that person, if you need something, you can call them whenever, and they won't be upset about it. They're like, oh, you need something from me? I am ready to give it. But when we don't have that person or there's not that person that we know on the other end that could call us, like think about that too from the other side. Is there a friend you have that if they called you in the middle of the night, you wouldn't just wake them and go, what do you want, right? You would wake or you would maybe, but you're joking, right? You're like, they're calling me this time of night. Why? I need to answer this. If you don't have that friend that needs you, then we're missing something from our relationships. And one of the things I read was that When we realize that we're worth being friends with, it gives us the ability to build better friendships. And so we as Americans, right, our whole identity as a country is we are independent. We don't need other people. We can do it on our own. And we have been fed that narrative, that idea of be independent, be independent, be independent for so long. And yet when it comes to the reality, we need to depend on people in order for us to be healthy people. Because God put it in us as those who bear his image to be people of community. And I would say it this way, that Jesus died to give us freedom from sin, but not freedom from one another. There's also a conversation that can be had, especially as those who follow Jesus. Because there are those of us who might say, maybe not in this room, but people at large, right, would say, I love Jesus, I hate the church. I love Jesus, right? He saved me. He's my savior, whatever. Like, this is great. But when it comes to the people of God, I could not be further from them. Like, I would love to just never go to church in my life ever again. And this is a larger conversation we have. But I just want to point out that when we were saved, we were saved into a community called the church. That's what was done. And we've been given the responsibility to exist in this community together. And we're going to dig into that again and like next week and in ensuing in, in weeks. But we want to realize this as followers of Jesus too. That sometimes we would look at our salvation we go, good, I don't have anything to do with them anymore. But like, no, this is, this is the community that now we're in and we are called to be in it and we're called to work together as a part of it. I introduced um, this verse to us last week. This and another verse. Are going to be kind of verses that we come back to over and over again um, over the course of this year, and it, it's first. The first one is Second Peter one five, and it says this: In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge. Verses six and seven, and knowledge with self control, and self control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone did you catch the end of that one with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone that's what we're called to do and at the beginning of verse five he says in view of all this make every effort here's what i know okay listen some of this conversation of loneliness relies on us to make the effort and this is where some of us are going to go and i get it i've made the effort they don't make the effort They don't call back. They don't text back. They don't engage with me. But yet Peter says, make every effort. Make every effort. Brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. So part of the conversation we're going to have on this is we recognize loneliness is a reality. Like we're feeling it, we're dealing with it, whatever. We're trying to get through it. But we also on the other side have to make every effort. And part of this conversation for us is going to be at the end of the four weeks where we have this conversation, there's going to be an action step for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is now. You'll see. How do we help this? And I'm not saying what we're going to ask you to do is going to be like, oh, we fix all our problems, right? That's going to be it. But it's going to be a step in that direction. And so part of us on this side has to say, I'm willing to do my part to figure it out. And we know this to be true, right? People make up the best parts of life, and people make up the worst parts of life. It's just a reality. You win something, you want to celebrate with other people, or you have a party, or whatever, right? This is great. And then at times we want to celebrate or we wish there were people around to celebrate with us and they're not there and that makes it the worst. It's messy. It's not easy. But we know that we're called to live in this community. So what does that look like? And how do we do it well? Now the statistic we started off the conversation with was uh, three out of five people on the rise, maybe, you know, figure out where there's, but three out of five. That means, right, there's there's some of us too that, might be thinking, I'm okay. Like, I do have the best friends. I do have the people in my life. I don't feel like I'm disconnected. Like, loneliness is not something I necessarily feel all the time. But, he, but here's the question I want you to process. Even if you're like, I'm not lonely. I have the good relationship. Even if that's where you are, here's the question I want you to process. Are you really known the way you wish you were known? And here's what I mean by that. If you screwed up in the worst way. Do you have someone you could call and they wouldn't rub your nose in it? They wouldn't wag your finger. at, They also wouldn't affirm it, but they'd say, I love you. We're going to get through this together because here's what happens, right? We allow shame and fear to get into our relationships. And we don't want to be seen as the people who maybe need help. We don't want to be seen as the people who are the screw-ups. We don't want to be seen as the people who need other people. And all of that has drawn us to a place where we will look at other people and say, I don't need you, and it's disconnected us, and we have decided we can do it by ourselves. And God says that's not the way we're supposed to work. It's an odd passage for us to look at James and say we're supposed to confess sin to one another. Why? Why? That person, if I haven't sinned against that person, why do I have to confess it to them? They, they, whatever. Because they can come alongside and help us. And when we start seeing each other as not just people that don't need help, we start seeing each other that you need my help, I need your help, and we depend on each other, the relational ties grow. And so the question is, right, are you really known the way you wish you were known? Do you really have that person or people that love you enough that no matter what you do, they're going to walk that path with you. And if you don't, or if there's not someone that you're never afraid to call or text and tell them anything, that we're not known the way that God wants us to be known and the way God knows us. So the last question is this. Are you willing to take the steps to change that? I realize I'm not ending this week with much of like, here's where we go. This is what's going to happen, but here's what I'm going to do are we willing to take the next steps and i guarantee you i'm telling you right now this is where the tension is going to be this is where we're going to get tempted to go this isn't worth it do i really want to do this work do i really want to make the time do i really want to sit and connect do i re- look at all the things i have to do look at all the stuff i'm really not that bad off do i really need people to know all my problems do i really need that person to need me all the time i got enough people that need me all the time like do i really need it? but do we recognize that we are called to live in community that it's outside of who we're supposed to be to not need other people, that's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're healthiest is when we need other people, and yet we would see our health as being disconnected. So, are you? Am I? Willing to take the steps to change that? Here's here's the two challenges, okay? That I want to give us. Number one, I'm going to challenge you to be here the other three weeks. So we got three more weeks of the conversation. Um, I'm going to challenge you to be here now. Before anybody emails me, I will not be here in two weeks because I'm speaking at a camp, okay? But I already worked with Pastor Andrew on his sermon, so I'll listen to it, okay? But be here. And if for some reason you're sick, or you're like, I'm out of town, or whatever, catch up online. Listen to the podcast. Watch it on YouTube. Get to all four of the conversations, preferably here on at 10 a.m. on Sundays, okay? Here's the other challenge. If you know someone who would benefit from this conversation send them the link to the conversation and invite them to come to church. So if you're the person that got invited to this and you're watching online, or you're listening, whatever, we want you to come to church and be part of the conversation. And we want you to take the steps with us at the end of the conversation to say, this is what I'm going to do to address this this issue in my life and make sure I am known the way I'm supposed to be known. So invite somebody. If you know someone struggling with loneliness, invite them in. We'd love to have them become part of the conversation with us. All right, let's pray. The band's going to come up and we're going to pray. And as I as I begin to pray, and with every uh, head bowed and eye I closed, I, I just wanted to take some time to pray for the people that are struggling with this. So if you're someone that's here and, and you're saying, yeah, that's me. Like, I struggle with loneliness. I've had people hurt me. I have not found the community to belong to. I have struggled to be in a place where I feel like I'm known. if you feel like loneliness is a struggle for you on a regular basis, would you just raise your hand for me so I can pray for you? If loneliness is an issue that you deal with on a regular basis, would you raise your hand? God, I pray for the people that were brave enough to raise their hands and say, I I struggle with this. I'm in a place often where I just don't I don't feel like I've got that community. And God, I, I pray that we would we would be a place where people can feel known. That our church would not be a place where when we walk in those doors, that we feel like we have to put on a face and oh my problems aren't bad or I don't have this or I don't need that or whatever I I just ask that you would help us to be to be open and for those that are dealing with this loneliness I pray that this conversation and this looking at scripture say what is what do you have to say about this that we would really lean into that and that you would heal this issue in our lives and God I pray that even if we're Loneliness is not something we think about on a regular basis. I do pray that it, when we think about the idea of, am I known the way I wish I was known? That we would be willing to take the steps to be in that place. That we wouldn't look at our own independence or our, our not needing other people as some sort of sign of strength. But that we would look around and say, even though I'm not lonely, maybe other people are. I want to be known the way that God wants me to be known. And I want that to be true for other people as well. So God, I I pray that through this conversation, you would dig in to our hearts and that we would be able to start off this year on a foot that says, we're willing to do the work to say, we love one another and we want to be a community in the way you've called us to be a community that none of us there are attached to GFC. And, and then reaching out in the community, none of us would ever feel like there's no one we can call. There's no one to sit with us. There's no one to pray for us. There's no one that wants to walk alongside us. That we would always have those people ready, no matter what life throws at us. In Jesus' name, amen.